VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. I am Charlie Reliotis with James Naveau back from a little bit of a vacation after we pre-recorded a mailbag episode last time. James, I didn't get as much as a, a tan as I wanted to on this trip because it downpoured all day on Saturday. Um, but it's it feels good to, to have a little recharge and be back talking hockey with you. Should we uh, just start playing you a really small violin? Oh, woe is Charlie. Didn't get all the sunshine in the Bahamas. Where I was, I was having conversations with people I was with on the trip and say, you know what? Our problems right now are much better than the problems that are going on in Chicago. I heard it was, was it below zero on Friday? There was like a really stupid one day temperature swing where we had wind chills of like negative 15 or 20, and then it went right back into the forties and it was sunny. So I don't know. I'm not going to complain about a one-off, especially with how warm the weather has been lately, but that's not what people are here to talk about. What? They're not. No, I think they may, they may be more interested in, I don't know, this, the Blackhawks, maybe they finally are going to be back on the ice tomorrow. The trade deadline's less than a month away. I suppose we should put away our Brant Miller caps and put on our uh, hockey journalist caps. What do you say, bud? I'm squinting right now to read uh, the title of this podcast. It does say Blackhawks talk podcast, (laughs) not, not the weather talk podcast. Okay. Well, <laughs> so let's get uh, in. Let's good. get into. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some some Patrick Kane stuff. He he spoke after practice on Monday just about uh, the, his potential future. I know we've been asking him this question a lot, uh, but it really does feel like crunch time is coming for, in the next couple of weeks, um, especially now that the trade deadline is less than a month away. So we'll kind of share what he had to say and give our thoughts on that. And then also after practice on Monday as well. Uh, Blackhawks CEO Danny Wirtz and president of business operations Jamie Faulkner uh, met with the media. They did like a little midseason briefing. Um, it wasn't there weren't any cameras or anything. It was just for, uh, you know, select few media to just kind of get a, a lay of the land of, of what's going on inside the organization. Uh, it lasted about 50 or so minutes. Um, so we'll kind of debrief some of that and, and kind of highlight some of the main items that came from it. Before we get into the Patrick Kane talk, I do want to provide some injury updates for the Blackhawks. Now, most of these were uh, shared on Sunday. Um, I wasn't there on Sunday, so I'm just going based off what uh, people had said. Uh, but it sounds like Tyler Johnson is cleared to play um, he, and he's going to be good to go on Tuesday uh, against Anaheim. He obviously had that ankle re-aggravation prior to the break and he was seen in a walking boot again so which felt concerning but the fact that he has already been cleared to play um is encouraging news uh jared tenorti he just got his the screws and the bands removed from his face um he he's not he's unlikely to play on tuesday uh but he could return on friday against arizona and he probably will very likely will join the team on the road trip and he could even play um, on that Saturday game if he doesn't play on Friday. So that's good news for 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 Jared Tenorti, given everything that he's been through. Um, Jujar Kara is, I guess, the encouraging news that Luke Richardson said he is expected to return this season. Um, it's not really a definitive timeline, uh, but he's been working out with that back injury and is supposed to start skating soon. And then Alex Stock, 
Uh, kind of encouraging news. Last time we talked a few podcasts ago, it sounded like Alex Stalak was kind of dealing with with some more concussion symptoms that made his potential future questionable. Uh, but the fact that he's on the ice, he was on the ice on Sunday before practice, and then he was also skating on Monday before practice. But while the Blackhawks were practicing on one end of the rink, he was also skating on his own, working with Jimmy Waite on another. So um, I think the the plan, I'm looking at this now, um, he's hoping to go on the road trip on uh, that starting Saturday at Winnipeg. I believe the Blackhawks have a four-game road trip. So I, I think that's encouraging news, even the fact that he's just out there. And then the last thing, James, Jonathan Taves out second straight day with an, a non-COVID illness. He's unlikely to play on Tuesday against Anaheim. If you remember, he missed one of the games prior to the bye week with a non-COVID illness. And then earlier in the year, he also missed a game. I think it was New Jersey. Might have been in December um, with a non-COVID illness. So I don't know what's going on here, but uh, Luke Richardson had made a joke after practice today saying maybe he had some bad seafood on his vacation uh, during the bye week because this appears to be lingering. I don't know if there's any concern there, um, but it it Luke Richardson had, had made mention that he he's most likely going to be back into the lineup on Friday since they do have a couple of days off before their next game. Definitely worth monitoring, especially with the uh, trade deadline coming up. I know I had spoken to a couple of our colleagues about it, just how odd it was that he was out that Thursday game against Calgary on the road trip with the illness and then played on Saturday against Vancouver, had a goal and an assist in that game, played almost 16 minutes. It wasn't a huge um, reduction in ice time, even though he obviously was a little bit less than 100%. So definitely something to keep tabs on. Uh, like you said, the spacing of the schedule could potentially benefit him coming up with them, not having to play again until Friday after they play Arizona tomorrow night. So Stopa number 19 can get back on the ice. And the other updates, we've spoken time and again on this show about Tyler Johnson and how important he is to the roster makeup of the Blackhawks and making sure that they have their best lineup out there on the ice. Um, I think that that's a huge benefit to them, should give them a good, significant uh, offensive boost and be able to let uh, Richardson kind of slot everybody in where they need to be. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway out of all the news. They did also recall Jackson Stauber to probably serve as Mrazek's backup while they're kind of waiting for Alex Stalock to mm-hmm. uh, jump back into the lineup. So Blackhawks definitely uh, showing some promise on the injury front. Obviously still some concern about Taves, but I think for the most part, those updates are very welcome, especially on the Tyler Johnson front. For sure. And the Hawks had been decimated with injuries basically all year long. So the fact that they could come out of this other end of the break feeling as close to healthy as possible, um, certainly encouraging. Uh, so we did talk to Patrick Kane after practice on Monday. And James, he said he used the opportunity to get away with his family and unplug from the game. How much do you think, though, that he really did unplug? Like, I feel like there was a lot going through his mind. Um, especially given the fact that now that we're on the other end of it, the trade deadline is less than a month away. So there, it's we're approaching decision time for Patrick Kane. He did speak to the media. I, I think it, it's, it shouldn't surprise anyone that he did have internal conversations with his agent, Pat Brisson. Um, And Pat did share with, or uh, Pat Brisson did share with Patrick Kane that there are a few teams that have already called Pat Brisson and have expressed interest or at least maybe just asking about his potential availability. And I thought it was interesting. Pat, Patrick Kane's quote was, I think there's definitely opportunities out there 
that are intriguing and could be exciting. We'll see. We'll probably talk about that possibly too, if that's an option of getting traded and obviously figure out a team that could be the best fit, but we're not really at that point either. So there is this sort of tug of war going on in Patrick Kane's mind about, you know, if, if I want to stay, I could be a lifelong Chicago Blackhawk, but also there's the other end of him. That's that there's a tangible, there are tangible uh, things that he can cling on to now that there are actually teams inquiring and Patrick can kind of get a read on who those teams are and, and maybe entertain the possibility. Uh, what did you, what did you kind of take away from, from what Patrick had to say? I thought that it was interesting that he kept saying that like the time it isn't time yet to like really start talking about that. And I just kind of kept looking at my phone and going, you know, it's less than a month until the deadline, right? Like it seems like the, the time is going to be coming up relatively soon where he's going to need to start having these conversations. And I think that he'll sit down with Kyle Davidson here in the near future and kind of go over his kind of vision of where he wants this to go. And I think that, it's not surprising that there would be teams potentially interested in Patrick Kane. We've talked often about how it's going to probably require at least a three team trade to get that the trade swung just because they're going to have to try to find a way to lower that cap hit. And I think that that's probably where he's alluding to opportunities is like teams who may express interest in being the team that ultimately gets his services. I think that most of what we heard from him is pretty standard from what he's been saying all season long, that it's still a decision that he's been wrestling with and thinking about. I think the, the only real notable part of it to me was that he had talked to Duncan Keith about his experiences and getting traded to the Oilers. I think it's pretty, it was made pretty well known that Keith had requested to be traded closer to home and that the Blackhawks were able to kind of give him the opportunity to do that. I think that Kane took that to heart and realized that the team will make it happen if he asked them to do it. And I thought that it was interesting that he alluded to those conversations with Keith about playing in a new environment, playing closer to home as something that he could potentially take into consideration. And I thought, you know, it didn't really tip me one way or the other on whether or not he's actually going to ask out of Chicago. But it was interesting that he had kind of brought it up during that line of questioning about the uh, trade rumors. I was surprised to hear that he didn't ask Brent Seabrook for his advice on getting traded to Tampa. You know, I'm could have sure asked uh, Marion Hosa about getting traded to Phoenix too. Yeah, like exactly. All sorts of you know Blackhawk <laughs> legends have been dealt elsewhere. He could have really uh, leaned on their advice for sure. Yeah, no, uh, I think the the situations are obviously a little bit different when with Duncan Keith obviously requested the trade out of Chicago. Um, it was because he wanted to be closer to his son, Colton. And also during the off season, I will point out that that wasn't a deadline type of thing. Good point. And it was also during, during COVID or like right after we got out of the woods with COVID. So it, it made sense for him to want to move closer to his son because there was, there were complications with the border situation. But I, I think maybe Patrick Kane was just talking about how, just the what the transition period would be um, or just the, what the transition or experience would be like just playing for a different team and maybe playing more. I don't want to say a more of a lesser role because Duncan Keith was still playing a big role in Edmonton, but it, it's not like he's revered like he was in Chicago. Like when the Blackhawks were losing 
or they're winning. I mean, he's got the A on his sweater here in Chicago, whereas in Edmonton, you know, it's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse. All those guys are answering the, the tough questions. So I'm sure he was just kind of picking his brain there. Uh, but yeah, I am. It's just going to be fascinating storyline to follow. The one thing that I did write towards the end of my story is that could complicate a, a Kane trade is, is the reported nagging injury that he's been dealing with. Um, I know Elliot Friedman mentioned on his 32 thoughts podcast on, on Monday that there are some teams or some players that it feels, or they can notice Kane, not himself this year. I, I gotta be honest, James. I think, I think that storyline is being overblown just because I think Patrick has been dealing with this for a while and it's not some new thing that he's not sure how he's going to deal with this injury. It's, it's something that he's been dealing with for a long time and it's nothing new. And I think the fact that it's public now, now players or teams are starting to focus closely on it. And they're mm-hmm. drawing a conclusion that he's having a down year because of the injury. When I don't think that's the case. I, I do think a lot of it is the fact that he's just not surrounded by the, the right infrastructure. And there's no Alex to bring it on his line either. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I even highlighted a couple months ago in that the Nashville game, like Patrick Kane had one of his best games in of the season generated like nine scoring chances and he had zero points, you know, like it's just, I don't think, I think that might be a little bit overblown. And I, I just don't think that is a storyline that it would concern me if you're a team trying to acquire Patrick Kane, because this is something that he's been battling through for a while. And he's been doing a pretty decent job at battling through it as well. There is one thing I would have to say about that. Like, I know that there's always kind of that counterintelligence going on where you're trying to maybe t- put the price down on a player just a little bit, or perhaps sow some seeds of doubt in your opponents that you're trying to kind of outrace to end up getting a player's services. I think there could be a lot of that going on. I would point out, however, how much more depressed does the Patrick Kane market really need to get? He's already got a massive cap hit that would require a lot of work to try to fit under a lot of team salary structure right now. There's the fact that his production is down. I mean, I don't really understand the logic of uh, just using this kind of narrative and overblowing it just to drive prices down on him. Potentially. I think that, you know, there probably, there are some legitimate concerns about the nagging injury. I mean, there otherwise we wouldn't have seen earlier in the season. There be this idea floated of him potentially sitting out the remainder of the season and trying to get healthy before free agency. I think that. There, there's definitely concern there, and I, it would just surprise me a lot if teams were trying to still drive down his price at this point because there are many other things that should be doing that already. Well, I, I think you bring up a good point as far as there should be concern if you are hoping or planning to sign Kane to an extension after the trade, right? Yeah. Because that I understand. That you're saying, okay, if we're going to sign this guy to an, an extension – we want to make sure that we know what his medical history is and how much this could actually impact him moving forward. But if you're looking at Kane for a rental and just getting him for a playoff run, I have very little concern that Kane will be good to go for the playoffs and will be able to kind of like it. There's no coincidence that Kane had 92 points last season. And then the year that they trade Alex to and Kirby doc and Dylan Strom, and they just totally stripped their roster down Kane, somehow his production decreases because of the injury. Like, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the primary reason because Kane said he's been dealing with this even before the Edmonton bubble. So 
you know, it, it's just, I, I feel like it's a little bit overblown in my opinion. Um, but it is, but it is out there publicly now. So you do wonder if that does impact the the potential return for Kane. Yeah. And I would just, like I said, I think that that it's probably just another instance of them trying to put as much information out there as possible to potentially muddy the waters and thin the herd a little bit in terms of who's going to potentially be interested in Patrick Kane, maybe trying to give up slightly less in the way of assets to the Blackhawks. If this deal ends up getting done, it's all, it's all a chess game right now. I think that it's important for, fans not to get too carried away with any of this stuff. I think that there's always going to be just that overflow of information out there when it comes to the trade deadline. And yeah, I think that the only way you even really consider yourself or concern yourself rather with that injury talk is if you are thinking about offering him a contract extension and that's where it'll come in handy to get your own doctors to be able to look at him and to kind of figure out what your plans are with him moving forward and I think that that would be the only way that it would you know raise any sort of red flag with me is if I'm considering offering him a three or a four-year deal uh, after the trade deadline is over right let's move on to staying on a similar topic, but on the talking about it from the business side, uh, we ended up talking to, to Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner after practice on Monday, a little bit of a media briefing. They shared some nice information about uh, season tickets um, there. I think they're unveiling or season ticket renewal is going to be later this week. And I think 84% of the seats are not going to see an increase in price, which I think is encouraging if you're a Chicago fan, but we did get into just the business side of if, you know, talking hypothetically, if Kane and Taves are traded, like what would that look like? Um, and, and the Blackhawks and Danny Wirtz and Jamie, they both said they're, they've basically prepared for every scenario, big or small, like whether Kane and Taves are here, whether one of them is here, whether one of them is not here, whether they're both not here, they're, they've kind of gotten all their ducks in a row. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that they want to do that they, they said they want to do throughout this process is they want to navigate the situation and be super respectful to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. But also if both of them do decide to move on, they, they want to know how to navigate life after it. Obviously the business side with ticket sales and all that stuff is different, but also communicating to the fan base, why these moves were made, how the team plans to celebrate and honor them you know, there might be a possibility that either of them resign in the summer. I don't think that would be likely um, if they do get traded, but they are kind of prepared for, you know, how do we how do we be transparent with our fan base and communicate to them this new direction? So I, it was a very healthy dialogue lasted about 40, 45 to 50 minutes um, just talking about how the business side might be impacted if Kane and Taves are no longer around after this March. Yeah, and I think the ticket price part of the equation is really important. I think that we've seen the Blackhawks have a little bit of difficulty in moving tickets this year. I mean, you, you kind of expect that in a rebuilding situation. And I thought that they also did a nice job of kind of hitting on that factor of it as well, where the temptation is going to be there from a business perspective to kind of try to nudge Kyle Davidson a little bit and kind of try to get him to maybe accelerate this rebuild a little bit. Danny Wirtz definitely pushed back on that and said that they would, they're willing to be patient. They know that patience is going to be the key to all of this. I thought that was really important for him to kind of emphasize. And I think that 
it's not really surprising that they've kind of mapped out every conceivable path forward when it comes to Kane and or Taves being potentially moved. I think that this has been going on long enough where I think the discussions are probably pretty well-worn territory by this point. And it's just a matter of what the players want. And I think that, that there is a way to do this in a way that it would be respectful to both of their legacies if one or both ends up moving on. And I think we'll see... We're going to see a good amount of transparency, I think, if that ends up being the case. I'm not 100% positive that we're going to get that during the negotiations. I think that afterward, however, you're going to see a press release like, you know, hey, this is exactly what happened. You know, Patrick requested a trade, wanted to be moved to a contending team, and we were able to, you know, fulfill that request. I think that the Blackhawks are going to about they'll do right by him in that regard and they'll do right by the fans. What I would personally like to see is something that they also alluded to where they had discussed potentially adjusting ticket prices. If that ends up happening and they end up trading away one or both of the, you know, franchises, most legendary faces, you're probably going to want to try to lower ticket prices a little bit, get more people into the arena and get them potentially, you know, excited about, you know, some of the young talent the team does have. I think that's going to be really important. And that forward looking vision is definitely going to be helped if they get more people into the arena, even if you don't have the two big draws there. That's a great point. And I, I like that you brought that up too, because it would be easy for them to just do what the market says that the price or the, the price of admission is worth. Um, but you want to get more people inside the door, specifically those younger generations I think Jamie had mentioned um, they're they're like really targeting. I don't want to say targeting, but uh, the data shows that uh, a f- or you decide your fandom by the fifth grade. So they're really they really want to make sure that they're getting kids inside the building and and making sure that they're taking in this experience so that they can really latch on to the Blackhawks. And then when they do get older, I'm sure like the Blackhawks will be much better and and they'll they'll really want to be paying. Uh, you know, tickets for to, to see a, a winning product. But I appreciate your optimism on that front. Yeah, especially, well, if you're eight years old, you know, maybe by 13, 14, high school. No, <laughs> no it, speaking of, I, I do I do like the, the fact that you mentioned or brought up the fact that Danny and Jamie and they all agreed that patience uh, should be preached throughout this rebuild. It, it's, I know Luke Richardson also said it at his opening press conference when he was hired as the Blackhawks head coach that if you take shortcuts, that's when you get yourself in trouble. Uh, I think it that is important. Uh, as, no matter what happens with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, I think more so specifically if the Blackhawks don't get Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli is maybe where the Blackhawks are going to have to balance. Okay, we can we can actually be a little bit more patient since those guys are not NHL ready. But if you do get a, a Connor Bedard, is there going to be a wrestle between? Okay, they got this generational player. Is it time to start adding pieces? I don't. We've talked about this podcast even in the last one about how twenty twenty three is not is probably not going to be the the year to to spend. But maybe in a couple more years after this is when you can actually start to to put those pieces around. And so it seems like. It seems like Danny and Jamie are totally on board and they have uh, the the full support. I should say Kyle Davidson has their full support on whatever he needs to do to, to get the Blackhawks back into per, being perennial playoff and Stanley Cup contenders. 
All of their actions up until this point have been reflective of that philosophy. And I think that it's really important to continue to not only articulate it, but also to, you know, put it into practice as well. I think that they have done a good job of it. We're just going to have to keep an eye on, make sure that they're not succumbing to that, you know, urge and that desire to potentially take those shortcuts. I know they're going to have a good number of higher draft picks this year. They're certainly hoping that the lottery balls kind of fall their way when they do the uh, draft lottery. And I I think that even if they get Connor Bedard, you're absolutely right. They're not going to, you know, go off the rails spending this offseason. And frankly, there aren't a ton of guys who are going to be out there on the market that are going to command those types of high dollar uh, contracts, even if they decided that they wanted to do it. So I think that the market may benefit them in that way, just because there won't be that uh, temptation necessarily. But I, I think it's still good to be hearing that from them and to see them continue to put that uh, that philosophy into practice. A few more quick, quick hitting items here, because I know we got to wrap up here. But any, there was a report going around last week that NHL TV ratings are down. Yes. And I think... Also, I want to say this too. I think it's part of the reason why is the average viewers have gone down because TNT and ESPN have added more games to their slate. Like I think there's to this point, there have been like 25 extra games. So you wonder how much of that is, you know, the the quality is, or I don't want to say the quality, but the quantity is higher, right? Um, I don't know if that plays a role, but Jamie had, had brought up that apparently the, the rating system uh, has changed. Um, Nielsen is a third party data source. So th- things kind of changed with the, the streaming services and everything. So the Blackhawks viewership, uh, according to the ratings that they're going off of is, is actually up. And I think that combines the, the TV viewership, but also those third part the streaming ESPN pluses where you, so I think that that's encouraging the fact that there hasn't been a major dip, um, in Blackhawks ratings. It's actually been increased. And then, uh, as far as the broadcast too, Chris, Chris Voster is no surprise is going to be, uh, back as the, the play-by-play guy. I, I don't believe he was on a one-year deal anyway. I think he's got more on a longer term. So uh, he, he's going to be around for a while. And then they're still trying to determine the long-term plan in the analyst role with Troy Murray and Patrick Sharp. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that situation because it it is... Uh, it's a little bit of a different dynamic. You know, when, when Troy's on the broadcast, that means he's pulled away from radio. Then they have to fill in the radio spot. And even on the studio uh, shows too, I, I know, you know, that that's obviously near and dear to our heart uh, because, you know, with, with Pat and he's working with Scott and it's, sometimes it's unclear who's Pat, Pat is working with on, on that day. So I think they want mm-hmm. a, a more consistent uh, rotation on the panel as well, which I think, all of us will appreciate too, because the fans do like some consistency. So um, yeah, so we'll, so we'll see that how it goes. It was a very, it was a very healthy dialogue and just kind of like a mid season update. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to kind of circle back after the trade deadline, once maybe some of the hypotheticals turn into actual reality. I, I think that there obviously is a, there's a lot there to kind of react to. I think that the only thing that was particularly surprising to me is that the Blackhawks internal metrics are showing that their ratings are actually up this season. I think that it would have been perfectly within the realm of understanding if the ratings were down. And I think that that would not, you know, stun anybody. The Blackhawks are always a team that's going to be more popular and more relevance on the Chicago sports scene when they're good. I think that that is 
probably the case with most NHL franchises. They only really make a huge dent when they're competing for a Stanley Cup. I think that um, that wouldn't have shocked me at all if the ratings were down. I was a little bit surprised they mentioned that some of those metrics were indeed up. It's not shocking at all that Chris Fosters is going to be the play-by-play guy next season. I think that he's been doing a strong job in kind of his rookie season as the new voice of the team. I think that a lot of the reaction to your your reporting on the topic and everybody else who was there today talking to uh, Faulkner and Wurtz, I think that the reaction was largely what I expected it to be, which is that there have been some growing pains. And I think that people are willing to kind of let him grow along with the team that he's covering. I'm really curious how they end up handling the TV analyst role. I know that the, the thought process has probably been to find a more permanent replacement rather than continuously you know, going back and forth between Murray and Sharp. And I think that that'll ultimately help Chris as well, because then you're really kind of, you know, getting a vibe with a with a guy and developing chemistry. And that is super important in the booth. So I'm imagining the Blackhawks will probably try to have a bit more stability in that spot. The one thing I will uh, disagree with you on, I think a little bit, and perhaps the majority of our listeners is that I do really, I like the idea of kind of rotating some panel uh, voices. I think that it's always good to get more voices into the picture. And I think that as long as you have a guy like Pat kind of there to play traffic cop when he needs to, to throw out a, uh, a take when he needs to, I think that having the rotating voices can be a good thing. And I think that that could be advantageous to the studio show. So I'm kind of intrigued to see how they end up handling that situation. And then to kind of put a bow onto all of this, I did want to ask you, um, you mentioned that it could be a quantity issue in terms of just like the ratings being lower because there's more available to hockey fans. And I think that one of the biggest complaints that we've heard from hockey fans and baseball fans specifically in the last few years is but that that has been there are just too many different places that you have to potentially turn to for games and baseball you've got espn and fox and tbs but you also have streaming services like apple tv and peacock and then for hockey You've got all the games are supposedly going to be available on ESPN plus, but sometimes they get moved obviously to the cable networks. And then you also have streaming exclusive games on ESPN plus and Hulu. And I'm wondering, Charlie, if you are concerned that by having all of those different avenues with which to consume games and having to have those things to watch your teams or star players, do you think that at that plays, any role at all potentially in the lower ratings just because there's so many places you conceivably would have to go to consume that content? Well, I think from from the Blackhawks point of view, and, and Jamie even said this too, they actually want to be more accessible. So whether you wherever you can watch the Blackhawks, that really that's really all that matters to, to, to the Blackhawks specifically. Where it gets tricky and why I think a, a reason why the ratings might be down is because there are some different third-party platforms that you can stream Blackhawks games on, but they are in the past, or at least I don't know if it it might be the new data that has updated, uh, at least starting this year, that it was never tracked in that way. So if you're streaming something from, you know, uh, from a third-party source and you're streaming a Blackhawks game, that that's that's a I don't know if the the previous ratings on the third party source like Nielsen tracked that. 
So I think that's where maybe if you look at some of the ratings from like cord cutters, you know, it, it only tracks the TV households, but it's not taking into consideration that people are actually watching through these streams. So I think that's where we might see a spike in the ratings next year because this newer data has been collected. Mm -hmm. And now the NHL has this and they can kind of best or better uh, put in whatever the the statistics or they can at least it, it's it's more accurate information i guess as to who is watching these games yeah and i think that you and i both work in the digital space so it's pretty clear that we are in favor of having more options of you know watching things and making sure that we get accurate data in terms of who is consuming what but so it was just kind of a it was a thought that i had as you kind of went through all of the different avenues that's you can have to potentially watch hockey games that I wonder if maybe there's been some pushback from fans and that they're voting with their eyeballs in ways that are kind of specific. So that was just, that was kind of a thought that had popped into my head. And I'd be very curious to know from our listeners, whether they like the opportunity to consume Hawks games in all those different ways, or if it's uh, something that maybe is uh, slightly off putting to them. Hey, last thought before we wrap up and then your boss yells at me, um, for, She's your boss too, technically. She, yeah, you're right, Elisa. I'm, I'm keeping James a little bit longer. Uh, this is a big month for the standings. The Bla the Blackhawks have a lot of tank. Uh, there's a lot of tank games here. Mm -hmm. They play Anaheim on Tuesday, but they also play Anaheim again later in the in the month. They yep. play Arizona twice this month. The Blackhawks play Montreal, although I, I'm not sure they're really in the Bedard sweepstakes, but they are. You know, they, they are part of the equation just outside the top five right now in terms of worst records in the league. Okay. Same, same with Ottawa. I don't know if they qualify as number one overall pick, but they are, they, they have odds to San, to San Jose is there too. And San Jose, I think has yep. got the fifth worst record in the league right now. The Hawks play them out the shark tank this year, this yeah. uh, month. Yep. And it's actually, they play them the week before the trade deadline or less than a week before the trade deadline. So yep. yeah, it should be an interesting month when we're refreshing tankathon by the end of it. I feel like <laughs> we might have a pretty, we have, might have a better idea of how these, the standings might shake out. So I just, I don't, I don't see the Blackhawks like they they have very definitive ways in which they can get worse. And I keep saying this over and over again, if they're in a position where they're like second or third worst record by the time the trade deadline passes, they've got a pretty solid shot at getting to number one. So I think even if they win a few games here and there coming up in this stretch, I would encourage our listeners not to panic. If it's truly mediocrity that you are seeking, there are games on this schedule that will definitely make that a possibility. Just no four point games outside of the games that are going on in Chicago, right? <laughs> or actually hey, no you know, wait i meant i meant the other way i think you meant three point games right correct correct yes what i say four point you said four points and i was like when has that ever been a thing yeah, i don't, in I don't hockey? know you, you're just... you're losing it a bit there Romeliotis. right i i meant i meant no four point games uh or four point swings like on tuesday if the blackhawks you meant, you meant no blackhawks four point win. games for uh patrick kane <laughs> correct. i meant i meant no four point swings for the blackhawks if if they beat right. anaheim in regulation that's a four point swing in the, in the, in the tank standing. So, mm -hmm. all right, James, I'll let you go back to do your, your job and make sure that you're, you know, I don't get yelled at for, for keeping you over time here. Uh, I'll, I'll defend you if the need arises. All right. Perfect. Pat will, Pat should be back. Uh, he'll be back on Tuesday. So he'll be back on the pre and post game show. And then I'm sure he'll join us for the podcast later in the week. So it was good uh, anchoring the fort down with you. 
James, that's going to do it for this edition of the Blackhawks Talk podcast. For James, Charlie, don't forget to rate us, review us, subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on the Blackhawks Talk podcast.